This is Parent School, the podcast featuring Polly Ely, awesome marriage and family therapist from San Francisco. And I'm Rachel Templeton. I'm the producer and host of the show. I'm also a wife and a mom. I was a wife first, but if you ask my husband who has priority in the family these days, he's probably going to say pretty quickly, the kids. And I think it's true for a lot of us raising small people with a partner. When kids come into the picture, things just really change. And I don't know about you, I really didn't know how much change there would be. So today, Polly and I are digging in a little bit to what happens in partnerships when kids come along. She has some really great insight into why it's so important to continue to prioritize the partnership, even if the kids' needs seem so critical at the time. I hope you guys will enjoy the show. Two people meet. Two people really like each other. They have a child. Then what happens to the couple? Mm. They both share in the amazing and wondrous bond of being totally enthralled with the person, usually. And I would say half of the time, they're both super engaged. And half of the time, one partner becomes super engaged with this new child. And the other one kind of feels like they're out to sea. And that's very common and often they start off two people really connected like a chain and then that chain loosens one link floats out into the ether and the child becomes the new link for one of the partners and that actually is not healthy for the kid and it's especially unhealthy for the two partners tell me about that what kind of issues are you seeing i think with our grand commitment to parenting that is so pervasive in, especially in this country, we tend to sideline our romantic life and our partners in a way that is kind of crippling to the whole family. I think something that is just sort of a sad evolution is that we have so sidelined and forgotten how important the primary partnership is that no time is given to it, no explicit time. In fact, when parents and partners are taking time, it's usually consumed with feeling guilty that they have. My wish is for them to know that they're doing the absolute best kind of parenting in the world when they leave their kid behind and focus on each other and truly a romantic life together or just a connected life. Now, ironically, when we put our attention on us, we are actually infusing the whole family, including our children, with a great deal of security. That actually the natural order of things is that if you are my partner, that you and I are primary, that our connection is solid and stable and we're adding nutrients to it in a regular way so that you and I are kind of a tight bond. And from there, all the trickle down is a lot of health and peace and love and security that the kids get from that. What does that look like just in like a day-to-day life when that link is broken, just like kind of set set a scene? Like subtle ways that that can start to show itself. Your kid gets sick and you move them into your bed. And where do they sleep? In between you. Instead of enduring the crying spell that's going to come with taking them out, I'll go sleep in their bed with them. 
Actually, it's really important for me and my partner to sleep next to each other for co-regulation, for us to have an intimate connection, even if it's not sexual, the fact that we can touch skin to skin without somebody in between us. Those are the things that on a day when we have no time to talk, that is the one bit of glue that keeps us sort of reminded that we are a team. Another way is just simply that every time I get with my partner, I want to talk about our kid and we make that the chief conversation that we have. But meanwhile, there's a lot going on with me that I hold dear and important. There's a lot that's going on inside of you if you're my partner that I don't necessarily know about it. But we kind of just keep chewing on this same topic, which is our kid. What should we do? How should we do it? What are the logistics? How will we blah, 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 you know? And there's sort of a surface level of conversation that goes on like that between us that isn't juicy. It doesn't deepen a bond between us. It actually kind of makes a little bit more of a shallow bond between us. I remember going out to dinner with my husband when we were new parents and we would just look at pictures of our baby the whole time. Really? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Instead of really talking and connecting about anything. So yeah, I hear that. I know parents do that. When there is a rupture like early on or when the priority is more on the child than the partnership, You said it's wired in often, but what other factors explain why that so frequently happens in partnerships with children? Well, a couple of things. As distance grows, we tend as partners to feel a little bit more avoidant of each other. So going deep becomes scary, having intimacy, vulnerability, looking inward with each other, having deeper conversations. All that starts to feel a little bit more elusive, harder to do. I think If you were to kind of liken different conversations to different kinds of foods, I would say talking about our kids is kind of like chewing gum. It's easy. You know, you can just do it. Connecting and really looking at seeing my partner, acknowledging them deeply for what they're doing, asking them what really matters to them right now, and actually holding myself accountable to know what really matters to them. I would say at any given time, I challenge myself to know the top three things that are really in the mind and heart of my partner. What is going on with them right now, aside from our kids, aside from even, you know, just our daily doings on a deeper level, what are they holding inside? That is on me if I want to be really responsible to my partnership to know what's cooking for them. And I think that helps me stay plugged into them as a human being. You know, I used to make the mistake of just seeing my husband as a pair of hands. I mean, he was literally a human doing. I saw him and I saw green lights to give jobs and that was it. Well, yeah, because it's hard to raise kids. But I have to remember there's a person in there and he has a deep longing for connection just like I do. So. Practically speaking, I'm going to keep myself plugged into the idea that you are a person with a whole host of deep concerns, worries, and hopes and dreams that's always there, no matter if I tap it or not. And it's on me to know what they are. And the only way for me to know is to connect to you without any talk about our kids at least once a week. So practically, how do you structure that in? Well, there's a lot of cool ways to do it. I think it starts with really setting an intention and highest level. It's that you and I, if you're my partner are the most important thing here and not to be afraid to say that out loud and to yourselves that there's nothing wrong with you as a parent. You're still a grade A parent. If your partner is more important to you and your bond with him or her is more important than any other bond. 
Now, I think that's a stretch for a lot of people, but I really beg people to consider flipping things if they've got their kids' relationship with them in top priority. I would say practice moving it down. Make your relationship with your co-parent or your partner the most important one and see what comes from there. So that's sort of like high-level priority one. Priority two is I want to be aware of what is going on inside of this person, that I have the intention to know that there's something in there. There's probably three things, if not more, that really matter deeply. And it's on me to know what they are. It's not on them to come and tell me. I mean, hopefully they will open, but the starting point is me asking, what's going on for you right now that has nothing to do with our kids? What are you caring about, worrying about? My favorite question from my own partner was, what's it like to be Mark today? It allowed him to just kind of think about his own self and talk about his interior life a little bit. Some people would say that's cheesy sounding. What's it like to be Mark? But it's one way in other than how was your day? Because how was your day doesn't take us into a deeper place. And ultimately, the feeling that the person we're with is still interested in what's happening with us, I think is in and of itself bonding. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like I need to go grab my husband and do this right now. (laughs) Right, right? That's so cool. But even recognizing that we have an inside life and an outside life. And when I say inside life, I mean, there's this whole world inside of every single person. If your partner is not checking in to find out about that world, almost nobody is probably. And that's really where disconnection, loneliness, anxiety, longing lives. It's on us to tap it with each other. Otherwise, we tend to kind of logistic the shit out of our lives until we're drifting, really drifting and not feeling like we can reconnect. For partners who have really drifted, because I know that it's hard when you have really not connected for a long time, it's hard to get back into that space. What practical tips do you have for couples to just start heading back into that zone of true connection? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love this question because this is everyone at some point in a marriage, you know, you drift, you go in and out kind of expanding and contracting like all things. Sometimes you're close and sometimes you're not. So what do you do when you have an extended period of like really feeling distant from each other? I think once a week, an effort around connecting away from kids and not on the topic of kids, is a really big one. So let's get into some of the brass tacks. If you're really feeling disconnected or just kind of like you need to get back in sync with each other, one of the most productive ways to do it, and this is going to sound so strange, is to move in tandem with each other. To actually walk side by side, ride bikes side by side, ride a tandem bike where you're both having to pedal the same bike. For men in particular, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to assume that we're all in male-female relationships. There's lots of ways to do this. But for men in particular, moving in synchrony is one of the most powerful ways for them to start to feel back in line with us. So that shoulder to shoulder, we're starting to kind of co-synchronize and we're both facing the same direction is a starting point. Because a lot of the time when couples drift, they feel like, oh God, we've got to look right at each other and go deep. And that brings up anxiety for people. They may not be ready to do that. A lot of people who are wired a little bit more avoidantly would much rather take a walk and talk. 
for me as a gal, I used to have a certain value that, oh, well, we have to look at each other and we have to connect deeply first. No, take your time, take a walk. Maybe you walk for 30 minutes and then you hold hands for a couple minutes and then it comes back slowly and you talk as you go. When my husband would go on a trip and come back, I felt really distant from him. I would actually have reconnected to my kids in a way that made him feel like he was literally useless when he came back. I actually had a job to do, which was reconnect to him. Our attachment had become strained during that break. And the way we would do it is we actually had a tandem bike. We would go ride and we really wouldn't talk much. And he'd be like, are you ready to talk? And I'm like, uh, let's just ride. It would come back to us, but it took time. So that's like on the most basic of levels, the best way to get back in touch when you have lost touch. But beyond that, I have a book that I love a lot and I don't necessarily always connect to the title, but it's called No More Fighting. And it's written by a gal called Alicia Munoz, M-O-N-O-Z. And it's 52 little exercises, one per week, that just allows you to take 30 minutes together she prompts a question that allows you to go in a deepening direction, a positive one, where you start to engage in conversation you wouldn't have naturally. So she sets up a few boundaries, a little bit of structure, and guides you into a different conversation that allows you to keep remembering who you each are as people, not as parents or as business partners. I really suggest that people make time together once a week to do something like that to just keep the pride of their connection. And then there's a fidelity that comes from trying to connect. Even if you don't, like you might sit down and just have like, it's just a bomb and you have to break, but at least you tried. And that by itself brings certain fidelity to the relationship. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of back up for a minute, you talked about a child being sick and coming into bed or the parent going into the child's bed. But what are other circumstances where you would say to a listener, you may not be prioritizing your relationship here. The kids are getting kind of in the middle of that. So just kind of walk us through what else could be happening. Well, let's look at some of the basic places where we meet up. The dinner table comes to my mind where all conversation is directed between one parent and a child and virtually almost no conversation going on between the two parents that's exclusive to them. I like to direct parents to take back their table. Remember that this is their respite, their place at the end of the day to enjoy food going into their bodies and a place for them to like connect to each other. A lot of the time parents are so busy. It's like herding cats with the kids that they never once take a breath together and relax and look at each other and say, hi, what was your day like? What's going on with you? Instead, there's this hyper-focus on manners and who's eating what and just this kind of constant obsessive tracking of children. And I love to encourage partners to do the experiment, if they can, of arriving at the table and pretend like the kids aren't even there. If they're there and they join in on your conversation in a productive way, yay, fold them in. But if they're driving you bananas and keeping you from connecting, make your highest priority connecting together, talking to each other. Put a little imaginary bubble around you and say, this is our time. We connect first. 
it's more important than the manners. It's more important than whether they eat their green beans. Our connection is actually primary. I've heard the most wonderful stories of parents like taking back their lives and feeling like, oh my God, I remembered that I liked this person I married to. I started to feel like our life is ours again. I felt like it had been completely hijacked by the kids. And we had, we had entrained them to hijack every moment. But the table is one place where you can say, it's you and me, babe. These little cats around us are getting up and getting down and whatever. It's a choice we have to hyper-focus on it. And we can choose not to. Like, let's take 10 minutes and it's just about you and me. Ahead of time, I will teach my kid how to tap my shoulder to let me know they need something and wait until there's a break in the conversation. But I'll tell you what, if you do not teach your kid ahead of time how to tap your shoulder and wait for a break, they will be perfectly content to interrupt every single time you guys begin to connect. It's almost like they wait until you're wanting to talk to your partner before they start to interrupt, before they need you again. I love the experiment of saying, once I've taught my kid how to tap and wait, and we'll do a couple of rehearsals because I want to make sure it's real clear for them. But once I've taught that to them, my commitment is that when I'm talking to my partner and he and I are engaged and my kid comes in to interrupt or try to sabotage that contact, I will just look at my partner and say, at this moment, someone's trying to interrupt us and you've got my full attention. I want you to know that I'm a hundred percent focused on you. And I do that actually to help and teach my own brain not to break attention with my partner just because my kid has a need. My kid's need can wait. I don't want my partner to feel dropped every single time my kid needs something. I want my kid to learn how to be able to wait on their need and hold on and unless their hair's on fire, tap and wait. What that does is it tells my partner that they're important, that they matter, and they actually matter more than the immediate need of the child, which again, this word fidelity adds this great strength to our connection. All of a sudden, you as my partner feel like, oh, we have something here. This is really cool. She sees me. She values me. I heard you say once, I thought this was another good guideline about the importance of also having a boundary around kids interrupting physical connection. So having kind of a family rule about not letting kids, if parents are hugging, Mm -hmm. not letting the kid come up and interrupt the hug and get in the middle. Did I get that right? Yeah. From a structural perspective in the therapeutic world and in like family therapy, there is something that we don't necessarily realize, but is going on that's very powerful when two parents are connecting physically. And I'm not talking about, you know, making out. I'm just talking about the random moment you might be holding hands or it's movie night and you guys possibly sit next to each other. Or you happen to get a hug at some moment that you know is going to last maybe 10 seconds if you're really super lucky or maybe two seconds. But it's almost as immediately as that little connection gets made, kids, not because they're bad, but just because they're kids, they want to see if they can break that connection. And deep inside, I'm just going to give you the crib notes. They're hoping that they can't, but they're testing it. How strong is this bond? Can I get into it? Can I break it up? Let's see. And they're there to kind of be the tester. So I want to tell, you know, the people that I work with, remember it myself and talk about it with you. What would it be like to hold our little moments of physical connection as sacred and not ones to be broken between our kids? 
for myself and my husband, every time we would hold hands, my kids would want to break our hands apart and get in between us. And it seemed initially innocuous, like, oh, how cute. Like, oh, let's swing you now in between us. And, you know, it suddenly becomes about our kids. And over time, we didn't know how to hold hands anymore. We needed a kid in between us to feel okay. So at a certain point, I just got aware and I started moving the kid around to the side. She could hold my side hand, but she can't break dad and I apart. And that, again, sent a silent and very powerful message to my partner that you matter as much as this kid and more. And for him, that really reinforced his connection to me and to the family. This is really interesting. And I don't know if it's actually like documented scientifically, but I'll tell you anecdotally, moms are often a lightning rod for dads to connect to the whole family. And when I say that, I mean, if dad feels connected to mom, they often will naturally feel more connected to the kids. But what we do is remove our connection to our male partners as women a lot of the time. And we go, why aren't you connecting to the kids? Talk to the kids, be with the kids, do stuff, hold their hand, be with them. Without our connection to them, they have less access to connect to the kids. So I just think that's fascinating and The more I bring physical connection to my partner, the more he feels like he can bring physical connection to our kids. So I'm just sort of like that access point in a lot of ways. And obviously I can't speak for everyone. I think there's something general about what I'm saying that's generally true. And there's all kinds of outlying situations. But for listeners who are listening and saying, I'm so frustrated, why isn't my partner plugging into my kids in a certain kind of way? Well, ask yourself, are you physically plugging in physically with your partner? Are you holding hands? Are you hugging in front of your kids and not letting them break you? Are you sleeping next to each other and not letting your kids sleep in between you? Things like that. Or are you snuggling on the couch and not letting them get in between you? Let them be there, but have them be on the side and say out loud, nope, I love dad or I love mom. I need to be next to her right now. Inside your kid, when they hear that, they go, ah, and they relax. They feel so good knowing that my parents are deeply connected. Maybe it's obvious, but why is it so important for kids to see that parents are prioritizing their relationship rather than the child? Well, in the natural order of things, there are typically supposed to be two parents and it can be two. It doesn't matter what gender they are, but that there's two and it's okay when there's just one, but a hyper focus on a kid changes the balance of the family. It creates anxiety in a kid when a parent semi-partners with a kid and leaves the other one out. They know that that wasn't the original plan. That's not how it's supposed to go. So it's great for kids to have the eyes of their parents off of them, to watch their parents put their eyes on each other. It reminds them, just like you implied, that they're less important right now. And that's good for their little ego and good for their little self-structured to go, oh, I'm not front and center and that's okay. And to have maybe a hundred or 10,000 experiences of that makes them much better future partner, much better future employee or workmate because they don't feel like they've got to command attention constantly. It does shape a kid when they've got all eyes on them all the time. 
They get particularly uncomfortable when all eyes aren't on them. They've become entrained to have it. So purposeful and intentional kind of ignoring of children for periods of time, such that you're putting your attention on your partner instead or on yourself. I think if it's made explicit, like this is very important to me, child, I'm going to be focusing on dad or on mom instead of you for a little while because I really love her. That all by itself is a totally fine statement to make and one that's really good for a child to hear, really good for a partner to hear too. In therapy, you know, there's a lot of partners who come in and they're like, this is our time. And this is really a time where they've realized their life has become too chaotic for them to have a deep connection and they use their therapeutic time to do that deep connection and have somebody else facilitate it, which is something I love to do. However you get there, you can use a relational type of therapist to help you learn how to reconnect and relate and prioritize your partnership and then plug in once a week a time where you guys go in a different direction, ask a different question and find out what's going on inside this person. Thanks for tuning in to Parent School. How did you like the show? Is there anything else that you would like Polly to talk about? You can let us know at parentschoolpodcast.com and you can find out about Polly's lab method and her San Francisco-based workshops. I'm Rachel Templeton, and thanks again for listening. We are really glad that you're here.